This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. This next topic really fascinates me. It's this idea of all the faith that we put into our face-to-face interactions. You want to be able to judge for yourself whether someone is lying or telling the truth because we think we can do that. If we can just see this person for ourselves, with our own eyes. But what if we can't? One area where this is a critical topic is the criminal justice system. I mean, think about that for a moment. All the judges out there, the people within the system who make decisions about incarcerating people based on their own personal assessment of whether or not someone mm, seems like a risk to reoffend or jump bail or whatever the case may be. But a new study shows that perhaps we should leave those decisions to other kinds of tools like risk assessment tools, and perhaps the outcome would be better for people, for the crime statistics, and for the overall justice system. So how could that possibly be? Well, let's find out more about a study that looked into all of this. Professor Jody Villian is with Simon Fraser University's Department of Psychology and joins us now. Well, Jody, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your study. First of all, let us know, what is it that you looked at exactly? Um, well, um, the focus of our research was on looking at violence risk assessment tools and how, when they're used, how they, adopt, how they affect rates of prison and rates of offending. And these tools are really important to look at because they're widely used throughout the world, including here in Canada. Okay, what kind of risk assessment tools are we talking about? Well, um, what these tools are, are basically that they compile a list of factors that we know are linked with violence, and they help professionals to kind of guide them through the process to decide if a given person poses a risk of violence to others, and if so, whether they might need to be incarcerated to protect the public. And these tools were really important because... Oftentimes in the past, these decisions were made more based on people's intuitions or hunches about who would be violent, and research found that even professionals had a very hard time predicting who would be violent. And some instant, for instance, some of the early research found that professionals were no better at chance than chance at predicting who would be violent, and basically that you'd be better off flipping right. a coin. And so what researchers did was compile all these factors to make instruments to improve these decisions. Right. So you're talking about in the case of, let's say, uh, an offender who goes before a judge to try to get bail, and it's really up to the judge at that point to decide, is this person going to reoffend? Should I let them out or should I keep them in jail? You're talking about those kinds of decisions. Yes. Exactly. Okay. And do we have tools then that can take away the human factor in that? Well, um, tools aren't crystal balls, I guess. They don't help us to see into the future, and they're not 100% accurate, but studies show that they're a step in the right direction. They do improve our predictions, and they're better than the alternative, which is just to rely on our hunches or our gut reactions. Right. So what kind of tools? Like, what information do we input? What information do these tools use? Well, um, there's lots of different types of tools. Um, Some of them, especially at a pretrial level, are really brief, and they include things that are pretty obvious, like history of violence and other factors, too, like anger management problems, um, prior failures, being on release, 
how a person's done in the past, um, substance use we know is linked with offending. So they include factors like that. Some of them, even at, at that level, might include things like age of a person because we know that younger people have higher offense rates than older people. And so there's a variety of factors that are, that are on these tools. So some of them are really um, quick tools that might include like, nine items, whereas others are more comprehensive types of tools. They might include 30 different items, and they're really designed to help a professional come up with a treatment plan for someone who is in, in prison or jail currently. Right. So are these tools being used? Yeah. Um, right now we know that they're being used in many places throughout the world in at least 40 countries, and um they're being used to assess millions of offenders each year, including here in Canada. So Correctional Services Canada at a federal level uses these risk assessment tools. And then here also in BC, at a provincial level, there are also risk assessment tools that are used. So are you saying that we need to use them more? Well, our focus of our research was really on looking at how these tools impact incarceration rates um, and rates of reoffending. Like, do they make us safer with people using these tools? Do they increase rates of putting people in prison or they decrease it? And so our research was really looking at that question, like how are they affecting us? How are they affecting the public? And what we found is that when agencies adopt these tools, we found small decreases in the rates we put people in prison. So prison rates went down and that's because justice agencies were better to identify those people who were low risk and didn't need to be in prison so that they could divert them from the system. But even though, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, were they diverted successfully then? Did they not re-offend? Yeah, yeah. And so even though rates of putting people in jail decrease, crime rates didn't increase. And in fact, if anything, they slightly decrease. The rates of violence and offending went down a bit, even though we're putting less people in jail. And so that kind of shows that we're able to keep incarceration rates at a minimum or to what level that they're needed without jeopardizing public safety. So then do you think it's safe then to use more of these tools or perhaps rely on these tools more within the system? Yeah, I I think that um, this research kind of does show that using these tools have advantages. And I think just as a general principle, it makes sense that we'd want to use instruments that have been found to work and that have been scientifically tested rather than just lying on our on our gut about who needs to be in jail. So for the public, I think thinking of public safety, it seems like it's really important to use those types of approaches that we know actually are working. So I do think it's a good direction, but I don't think risk assessment tools are going to fix everything. I think there's still going to be instances where violence happens that is not prevented. Um, but they seem to allow us, compared to the alternative of just relying on our gut reactions of who to put in jail, they seem like a better choice in that regard. Right, because right now, I mean, there's a lot of pressure then on the individuals in the system, like the judges who make these decisions. Yeah, and it's very stressful for people. Yeah, they're made by lots of different professionals. They're made by judges. These decisions about who to put in jail 
are made by police officers, probation officers, psychologists are often involved in some of these risk assessments, and it's a lot of pressure. And I think that when we're talking about public safety, we want to make sure we're doing this so carefully um, and properly. And also on the flip side, also thinking about um, people who have been charged with a crime, their rights as well. Because some of the people that we put in jail haven't yet even been found guilty of the crime. And we put lots of people in jail who may not need to be there. People with mental illnesses, people with high rates of substance use difficulties. We put teenagers who've made bad decisions in jail and custody centers. And so thinking about that side of things as well. Right. So this, do you think this could actually help kind of lighten the burden perhaps on the criminal justice system a little bit? Yeah, and I think this is particularly the case in the United States, which currently incarcerates more people than any other place in the world. And many of the studies that we looked at and compiled in our review were from American sites. And so in the U.S. right now, they've reached a point where the amount of people in prisons has proven to be really costly and not sustainable. And so they've been working to find ways to reduce this mass incarceration And one of the ways that has been proposed is to use risk assessment tools to help kind of bring down incarceration rates without um, jeopardizing public safety. And so some of the new new legislation, like the First Step Act, which was recently passed, does even include risk assessment tools in the legislation. So interesting. Listen, Jody, thank you so much for your time on this today. Yeah, thank you so much for speaking with me. That's Professor Jody Villian with the SFU Department of Psychology.